Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, it's hard to believe a year has passed since one of the worst cold and flu seasons on record, but here we are again. So if you happen to catch a bug... Uh, one thing every doctor will tell you is stay hydrated. Proper hydration eases a lot of the symptoms of many of these viral illnesses. And sports drinks, water alone, is not the issue. You need to be aggressive. You need something like Hydrolyte, full fluid replacement. Hydrolyte is this oral rehydration product you've heard me talking about. It's better than anything out there. It delivers the right balance of sodium, glucose, and water, providing up to four times the electrolytes sports drinks can offer, all with 75% less sugar. So think about that. It's like taking an IV by mouth. But my favorite thing is at the convenience. I'm always on the run, so I use the effervescent tablets. You just drop them in a water bottle or even a glass of water. I literally never leave home without them. No one in my family does, for that matter. And because Hydrolyte is appropriate for all ages, it's perfect for the little snowmen amongst you when they come home from the school, perhaps sniffling. Hydrolyte comes in great flavors, orange berry and hot lemonade, available in a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or, like I said, those fizzy tablets. I love those. They go everywhere. Come in a little tube. Every package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. Order your supply today at hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. For a limited time, you can save 30%. We use the code at checkout, drdrew18. That's Dr. Drew18. So... Either click through on our banner at drdrew.com or go to hydrolent.com slash drdrew and then use that code drdrew18. Hey, this is Dr. Drew and you are listening to This Life with Bob Ford and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, gather around the iPod 10X <laughs> for another episode of This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. You have a 10x? No, I'm getting one on March 15th. Oh, dude, you're very excited. That's a pretty big deal. The the contract is up. Today we're going to talk about uh, sort of rural America and the opioid crisis, I've been talking about it for 10 years. It's so sad. Yeah, it's very sad. And I I still don't fully, fully understand why it hit so hard. Johnny Uh, Knoxville explained it to me, of all people. Yeah, what did he say? So he grew up in, I think, Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. And... He said, man, you got to understand, there's like four or five generations of pill poppers. Truck drivers, moonshiners. It's a pill popping culture back to the 40s. Well, okay. Uh, I'm just thinking about... So they're used to taking pills. Maybe. I'm suburban also... suburban uh, Midwestern towns are not used to taking pills. You take pills only for a short time to fix something, right? The South... Dixie had this idea of of meth or amphetamine pills, mm. right? The maybe, pills maybe. were something that were just a part of the culture. Or maybe there was more trauma down there, and that's why they were gravitating to that stuff. That, that fits more for me. Because Theo Vaughn's a friend, and he, you know, he grew up in the bayou, and he was like, yeah, there's trauma, horrible, horrible, horrible. But he never talked there's about There's trauma pills. in Missouri, Drew. That's uh, all through the South, including Missouri. <laughs> But let, let's bring in an expert. Let's bring in Greg Cruy. He's a middle school teacher in War, West Virginia. I've read about this. Interesting. I've read about where what the we're war. Here about. Where, where the war on opiate addiction. Are was, we prepared uh, waged. to be emotionally resilient right now? Because yes. it's one of the saddest stories you'll ever yes. hear. 
He is, uh, of course, this county was devastated by the opiate crisis. It's the Southside Kindergarten through 8th grade school located in McDowell County where Greg works. Uh, they lead the state in opioid-related hospitalization. They did in 2014. There are probably others that have overtaken them since then. Uh, Greg Crewe, where he's a middle school teacher. Greg, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. I, I appreciate this. Oh, so such an honor to talk to you. Yeah. I read about this. I don't know, three years ago or something, where where so many you had lost so many people at the middle school, where you were having both parents had had perished. Is that what's going on? Was going on? Well, within within the community, I don't know that I can go through and and put it in terms of parent to parent, but the kids, uh, their lives are touched by people in the community, and um, when I look at the population that we have. Probably about half of them are being raised by somebody other than a biological parent. Oh, and, is the, and not related to social issues, related to the opiate crisis. Um, it's very difficult to separate those things out. Yeah. Uh, I had a reporter come last year and shadow me who wanted to talk about the opioid crisis. And the difficulty is that when I look at a kid in the hallway, I can't tell whether it's the opioid crisis or whether it's meth which is a problem uh drugs are drugs and well, and, and, uh, and also it, incarceration well right? i was gonna say you go to crenshaw right. high here in los angeles 60 percent of the kids are in the foster care system yeah 60 percent and and in la unified school district seventeen thousand are homeless i know that we i knew a, that we have a meltdown problem uh, not just in the rural areas i mean it's just i i i i go to sleep thinking about this every night so greg when did you first become aware of this that drugs were the issue. I had a vague understanding of it um, before I started. My my wife just retired after thirty years in the county over there. Mm. I've been teaching in the county for about fifteen years. Uh, it, it's in the last seven or eight years that I became involved in uh, uh, a community school initiative that that tried to address. Um, the the problems that poverty causes for our students and we became aware that it was a chicken and an egg issue you don't know whether poverty causes drug addiction or drug addiction causes poverty right and it probably doesn't matter anymore well bob what Um, you have an opinion about that bob well i mean the the most vulnerable in our society tend to be on the lower economic part of. but are they there because of the opiates or drugs or whatever, or are they there and then I think when you have the multi generational poverty you have in Kentucky and Ohio and, and South Central Los Angeles and Watts, mm-hmm. um, hopelessness starts to become cemented into the mentality of the population. Great. What well, I find well, interesting is you have this same hopelessness in Chicago's South Side, in Watts in Los Angeles, in mostly predominantly African American communities, and then now you have it in the predominantly white communities of the Appalachians, Ohio, All right, so, the so, Rust Belt. So, Greg, so why it, can't we solve it if it's affecting both populations on the lowest economic so scale? So is, is the problem hopelessness or is it trauma or both? I don't think causation is linear. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it yeah. can be unraveled into a single binary relationship of one thing to another. That's that's part of the difficulty right. with it. Human right. beings are complex. I'm not sure what role genetics plays in addiction. 
but I work in a closed community, and we see that reflected uh, in, a, in a number of ways. Um, you know, we've, 30% of our kids uh, are special ed. And some of that is environmental where they were exposed to something in the womb and has to do with drugs. Some of that reading disabilities, uh, we, we don't know. We don't know how to unravel it. We know that it would be a better life for everybody involved if people weren't in jail and people weren't dead. Right. Right. And people, wow. weren't, and people weren't traumatized. The- and people weren't traumatized. You're right. absolutely right. Yeah. So um, what are some of the positives you're seeing there? What are the things that are working? Probably community-based stuff. I've been to Huntington, West Virginia. Are you close to that? I'm about three and a half hours from Huntington, but in terms of the difference between that urban setting and, um, you know, I, I work in a setting where the school has 400 kids and some of them travel, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to be at school in the mornings mm-hmm. because it's so... There's so many little dispersed communities that feed into our school, Mm. uh, and it's such rugged terrain. And so the difference between an urban and rural setting, when we come into a community school approach where we're looking for public-private partnerships, trying to get people into the school to help us solve our problems, we don't have partners. In Huntington, they have partners standing around, I'm guessing, right. uh, they you know, do. in line saying, how can we help? Uh, but we don't have 5013Cs standing around saying, we'd like to get involved. What, what can we do for you? Has there been, um, to that end, though, just the question that is there, has there been anything effective done from your perspective? Um, there's been a mindset change that, yeah. that I feel like the American Federation of Teachers helped us bring in five or six years ago. They started an initiative for us called Reconnecting McDowell, uh, and uh, Gail Manchin, Joe Manchin's wife, was involved personally in that. Uh, our national president, Randy Weingarten, was involved. And they came down and they, they spelled out a model and said, let's get um, corporations that took the coal from this place back involved and see if we can't, um, um, you know, bring life back to this. And, and we got a lot out of that. We didn't, we just didn't get the one thing that we needed most, which was a solution to the opioid crisis. Oh. Well, it's coming um, though. It's coming. Yeah, I agree. It, I think it's in the, it's in the beginning stages. Things are really starting to get put into place that are going to change things. Just, I, just everybody acknowledging that there was an opioid crisis going on for five years. I was screaming about it. Nobody believed it. Bob, Bob. 15 years I was screaming about it. Well, and in the past five or six years, one of the things we've seen is a change in the philosophy of law enforcement and the idea of harm reduction, uh, treatment versus incarceration. But if you want treatment and you live in McDowell County, you've got to drive to Beckley, West Virginia, which is 90 minutes. Right. Uh, This is how do you do do outpatient with a three-hour round-trip drive. This is where harm avoidance starts to make sense, right? Yeah, it. but I want hope. I want, yeah. I want you know, God, the greatest country in the history of civilization, you hear both sides describe it like that, has these pockets of the United States that are, it's not right. We need to fix it. We need to do something. It's just not right. Watts well, is and, not right, and, ho- and your county is not right. 
and hope is hope is the issue. Um, you know, when when we started five years ago trying to do community organization and get people involved in television, uh, you know, when you go when you go have little community meetings and look at people and say we think there are solutions to our problems, um, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to sell that, and that's probably the the. Um, the biggest single thing that's come out of the community school initiative and approach, uh, you know, in the state is the idea that, that perhaps there are solutions. I watched a dental program come into our school and spend three days treating kids right there in our library. Uh, it's awesome. a long way to a dentist for most of those awesome. kids. And some of them have never seen, uh, you know, been in a dentist's office. Um, we have counselors that come in that, you know, that program was started um, uh, through the community school initiative, and they deal with traumatized kids, but that's an expensive process. And unfortunately, at this point, one of the factors involved in that seems to be that if the kid is Medicaid eligible, we can afford to get him the counseling. And if they're not, why that makes it much more difficult because most other insurance won't pay for it. What's the percentage of kids on food, re- some sort of food relief in your school? Uh, let me start by saying that uh, we are the poorest of the 10 schools in the county and that based on median household income, uh, my county is the seventh poorest county in America out of about 3,200 counties. Mm-hmm. Um, so 90%. So, so, so that gives you some, some you clue in terms have, of where we are in poverty. Do you have the, a, a program called Breakfast in the Classroom there? We, we, we do. We serve the kids a breakfast. We serve the kids a lunch. We serve the kids an after-school meal if, we, if they'll stay for that. Uh, we have um, uh, 50, 75 kids. I'm not sure how many who take a bag home on the weekends awesome. of, of, of things that, uh, you know, that they can – See that's a solution, uh, but uh, we're, we're our schools at this point. We're in the ninety percentile probably for uh, qualifying for free and reduced lunch, and we have a grant that just gives everybody a free lunch rather right. than try and make the let, distinction. Let me, let me. I'm going to say something somewhat harsh, and I'm not advocating for this, so don't crush me. But involving the family is the problem, right? Getting the family healed, getting the parents healed in the family system. I, I always wished we would do some sort of food whatever where the parents did the did, provided for their kids because that's what the kids want. They want their parents taking care of them and involved with them. And sh- you know, if you're loaded on opiates, it's hard to make breakfast for your kids. I, I mean, it's just putting out a box of Cheerios sometimes. All they got to do. I mean, right. that's it. Egos. And, I could do egos right. when I was high. Right. And so... With the fact that the parents don't engage even in feeding their own kids, well, to me that goes. He's at the saying problem. the fifty percent of them, but might not. Even, they're not being raised by their natural parents. But they're being raised by their grandparents. That's a, that's, but the, grandparents, aunties. Bob, those people are being chosen because they can parent. Why aren't they being allowed to, to be encouraged to get more and more and more involved? What would that look like, Greg? Is there anything like that? I, I'm I'm not sure how we would go about distribution or or aid in, in well, those no, sorts no, of I, things I, I, just, I was really just the that parents was, he's talking about the parents at the school yeah i was just talking philosophically when, when you talk when you talk to teachers out in 
urban environments. They always say the parents they don't they're not they're not understand education. They're not involved. You know, we're doing everything. We're they were towing these kids into education. So to me, you know, healing the families, dealing with with you know, getting people engaged in parenting that that seems to me like one of the big issues. Am I wrong? Group, group no, 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 you're you're correct, and and uh, we've. We, because of our situation, we stay stay away from the P word, and we talk about families. Okay, right, uh, right, right. Sure, whatever, whatever the family unit is. The uh, we we have lots of family involvement. We're at the uh, point now where we're trying to find a way to engage families in something that actually makes an educational difference. And let's be fair. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say, and I'm I'm pleased, Greg. I'm not being critical. But but we have gotten to the point where we've given up on parents. We can't even say the word. We've well, given up say, on parents. I was going to say that's a very sad statement. Yeah, but this pendulum. There's too much involvement at, at Elvis' it's school. There there's is that's too right. much liberal that's, involvement. That's right. So, it, so now there's no involvement. We've got to find the, a way of engaging. What I always thought in Huntington, where I went, right? They're having the same problem. They have a high high death rate in Huntington, West Virginia. Just to, you have those classrooms they're available those are valuable tools after school at night in in oklahoma in tulsa oklahoma the aa meetings are at the at the elementary schools and middle schools in a classroom to to make the school back to the center of the community do you understand what i'm saying to have group therapy at night for moms that are struggling by themselves or support groups make this school the center of the community again because we've made them i i don't know about your school but we've made them these these non grata kind of places where as soon as the school closes they chain it up kids can't play there at night they might fall and break their arm and get and sue the school they're like prisons rather than community centers. And I think because of the opiate crisis, because of the place we're at, let's remove some of these restrictions and get the schools back to the centers of the communities of families being there and feeling welcome there, having AA meetings, 12-step meetings, support groups, grieving groups, so that everybody thinks of the school as the healing education opportunity center of the community that it should be and can be. Well, we have lots of family involvement that comes in. Um, part of our difficulty, part of the difference between us and a place like Huntington is we don't serve a community. We serve a dozen spread out right, communities. Right. Surrounding area, yeah. Right. And if you live in Berwyn, West Virginia or Bishop, West Virginia or, or Colwood, um, you know, transportation for some of those parents becomes a problem. And, and it's a, uh, you know, there's this cycle of if you're unemployed, pretty soon you can't afford to have a car. If you can't afford to have a car, pretty soon you can't get a job. Uh, and getting getting to the school, getting to the grocery store, those sorts of things, it's like poverty charges rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk about grandparents raising kids, while drugs take a heavy toll, um, you know, I'm picturing some kids in my middle school at this point who's, uh, you know, whose grandma just died of cancer and we have a very high cancer rate. Huh. There's lots on the news at this point about black lung yeah. and the toll black lung is taking in Southern sure. West Virginia. Sure. Uh, and, and I go back to the idea that causation is not linear and how those things interact with each other isn't mm-hmm. clear to me. 
Well, what's fascinating to me is the the famous thing that woke up Robert Kennedy was going to your region of the United States in 1966, I believe, and seeing the third world poverty there. And now it's 50 years later, Drew, and the same poverty is there. But guess what? We spent trillions of dollars trying in the in the new deal right right in the great society to to try to change things throwing money is not the answer it has to be based in the community that's what i'm talking about it has to be connecting the community but but i think it's more of a human humanity-based solution rather than a financial-based solution in other words people like greg going out and being a role model being of service make Caring well, you enough, a, that, you need a hundred Gregs or a thousand Gregs. A hundred thousand Gregs, and, and we all have to sort of. That's what heals trauma. That's what heals. That's what supports families. How do you and your wife sometimes at night? Do you just get so discouraged? How do you keep up fighting the good fight, Greg? I don't really feel particularly discouraged when I look at it, but um, you know, my source of strength on it is spiritual. I spent ten years on the mission field before I became. Uh, came back here and and became a teacher and you know when I I've lived in the third world uh, outside the U.S. and when I look at this I know where the source of hope is for me right and when we talk about how complicated the issues are and all the things that factor in I believe there are spiritual issues involved as well right. well we do too uh, now we do too now what we mean by that may be different things but we but whatever we mean by it, we're all kind of sensing the same vacuum there. Yes. So, so Greg, stand back and give us your full. You know, when you think philosophically about what's going on, let, let's talk about America and let's talk about your community because I, I think I think it's grandiose and narcissistic to go. We're going to cure the world. We're going to yeah, have water in Africa and malaria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. But we've got so many problems here that I, I want to stay focused here. What, what philosophically, you know, how would you paint the picture of what's going on to us right now? What, what is what's happening from your perspective? Giving us somebody, we understand you have a certain philosophical point of view, but you've sure. been in the trenches. So, if you were to make sense of it for us, what's happening right now? One of the problems um, that we have is that the whole families get painted with the same brush as the dysfunctional families, and. Uh, People where there's a mom and the dead in, and a dad in the house and there's no addiction and uh, at least one adult is working and everything's going relatively well bear a heavy burden in terms of, of just the, uh, the atmosphere. Uh, and, and those people need to be acknowledged and, and be part of the solution. Um, I, I know that we need to constantly revisit government involvement and how we spend money. I know lots of money has been dumped on the problem of poverty, and we haven't seen the results that we need to see. But at the same time, my impression is that SNAP is probably the most effective government program. Food stamps uh, is probably the, the most effective government program that we have. Uh, and, and there's got to be a way to make government be affected, uh, effective. I, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm a Southern Baptist liberal. Right. Uh, I, I believe that government is part of the answer. It may not be the whole answer. It may involve public private partnerships, but I don't believe that removing government from the equation solves any purpose. Well, and by but, the way, but, you, you but mentioned let's just touch on that. You let, mentioned, me, let me just highlight, you, you mentioned the private sector stuff. 
They've been asleep at the wheel, by the way, the private sector. So go ahead. I just well, cause the private, I, Let's I, get everybody in here. I think we're all old enough to remember. Um, the sowing of Christ to a political party that, that first Jimmy Carter did, and then Reagan saw that, and Lee Otwater saw that, and then Reagan, all of a sudden, who had never been to church his whole life, he's a Christian, the moral majority rises up. Where where the conservative movement kind of owns Christ in the in the in the kind of in the mentality of the American public, when anybody who's raised Catholic like I was and knows anything about Christ it certainly knew he was not a person of big of big uh, wealth and corporations and all this right. So when you say you're a Southern Baptist Democrat or liberal. I think I think because that's what I identify with, but I think it's bad to tie it to politics. Tie what? Christ. I well, mean, that's who right. we're talking right. about. So let's let, just be honest. Well, that's what you're talking about. I, mm. I, I, that's good. That's fine. But that's think, how people understand but it. But mm, we are a pretty diverse group these days. But but let, let's In, uh, hang on. I want Greg to understand it. But I'm take a, to to rep, to to Baptist, respond to that. Baptist but. is Christ. Drew. I know. No, I know. No, I know. Greg will well, understand. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Greg, Greg, hold on. I'll take a break. I'm going to take a break. I'll come right back. Well, CBDs are everywhere, right? Everyone's talking about them. And it's a topic that I get asked about all the time. Bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims made about them, the clinical evidence right now, it's not all that clear. But many people are using it and reporting great results. And they are very encouraging. So I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD is cannabidiol, an extract from hemp. While you might associate with marijuana, CBD does not cause reinforcement. It is not the reinforcing component of hemp, but it is what's responsible for the calming or some of the relaxing effects that many people experience, not the high. Now about the products. There are a ton of them on the market today. For getting the vast array of the reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards, not the hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is described to you so you can make an informed decision without all those promises that are probably too good to be true. Like I said, the reported benefits of CBD by individuals using this are very compelling. I'm excited to see how things develop as the science catches up with this booming industry. As usual, the public is ahead of the science. I can't make explicit claims yet, but boy, the reports are pretty encouraging. So if you're ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com select. That's on my site, drdrew.com S-E-L-E-C-T. And for a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code drdrew, D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, drdrew.com select, and then the code D-R-D-R-E-W. We are speaking with Greg Curry, the middle school teacher in War, West Virginia, where the region was devastated by opiate addiction. But before the break, Bob threw down the gauntlet about uh, including explicit religious imagery and messaging into the political discourse. Go ahead there, Greg. Um, you know, when I look at the Bible, I think that, um, uh, I, you know, I hear the quote, Jesus said that we would always have the poor. Uh, I don't think he pictured quite this many of them. <laughs> and, and the message that gets hidden over and over again is that while we will always have the poor, we will be judged as a society yeah. for how we treat them yeah. and how we respond to that poverty. I, I don't know what the solution is in terms of government, and I'm not asking government to be particularly religious. Uh, we started this by you asking me what 
what, what the basis of my hope was yeah. and about discouragement. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I'm simply saying, like, like you agreed, there's, there's a spiritual component to this. Oh, yeah. And if we're going to succeed, I think that spiritual component has to be considered. Most of the people that I know that have overcome addiction um, think in that spiritual framework now. Yeah, yeah uh, they do. You know, they're actively involved in some kind of a, of a, of a religious organization. Or, or, or they see spirituality in human connectedness. That's the other place that it goes, which is, right. I think you would agree, Christ would agree, most religious leaders would agree that that's a very spiritual sort of zone. Um, why not? Uh, here's what I would, but you guys bear me up on this or, or have at me. But rather than going with specific religious Im- imagery or a specific religious sort of. Um, We're the most religious hang country on, in the on. history of hang civilization. On. How about, how about <laughs> by doing, how about we refocus on the great books, the Bible, the Quran? These are these are live by the books. Then people can use their own judgment about how they want to apply their religious imagery because it's all in these books. Yeah, but they're they're easily misrepresented. Right. Like the the people themselves need to know the book, right? I know the book. I went to Catholic school for twelve <laughs> years. I know the book. You know that version. <laughs> but and and when I saw the new pope, I was like. That's the Pope that I wish was around when I was 20 years old because that's the the message that I understand from the book that I read. Let's let Greg answer about the book right. versus the sort of the spirit, spur, per specific recommendations. How about just, you know, the, I, the I wisdom of I definitely don't think the, the answer is to teach theology. Uh, I think that the answer is to... Uh, step up and and do the things that uh, you know Christians are supposed to do and feed people because they're hungry, not because they deserve it, uh, and come up with the resources as a society to put drug treatment facilities and programs, uh, you know, in in places like McDowell County, West Virginia. Right. Um, and, and by the way, I, I, when I hear drug treatment, I just think, God, we have free services available through Twelve Step and through religious communities. Free, How much Twelve Step is around in your community in the county and spread out through the little 12, 12 different places you're describing where your students are coming from how much That's, how active is aa and na in that part of the united states there's there's some of it but not a great deal celebrate recovery is something that we also see probably as faith much based. as any of those programs faith, faith-based right? um right. which fine. is That's which fine. is a church-based is program great. anything yeah, yeah. mutual aid and free it needs to be enhanced. And the fact that that has been under attack for the last 10 years is anathema. It's, go but ahead. did it ever exist there and it just dried up and went away? Or, or Because I think we, we were, us 12-step members in, let's face it, I've been to meetings in Texas, Oklahoma, Los Angeles, New York, Boston, and Minnesota. So, so. I was just, and I think a lot of us, millions of sober people in the United States are just assuming that the AA that existed in those regions of the United States was existing in West Virginia and Tennessee and Kentucky, and maybe it wasn't. Mm. 
Right. Maybe maybe in Charleston and Morgantown and, and Bluefield, but but not in the little bitty communities uh, that that populate the cracks between the mountains. Well, I dare to say I, I lived in a smaller community than yours. I lived in Joshua Tree, California for eight years. It is a population of 1,400, I believe. And yeah, our school kids from all over the desert you know some from flamingo heights and johnson valley i mean you're talking about an hour bus ride in the morning before it's light out to go to the joshua tree middle school there was still an aa clubhouse in that town but was built in the 60s right right i just feel like somehow what we believed happened with this 12-step thing exploding in the 60s and 70s yeah. and then in the 80s yeah. didn't happen in large pockets of the United States. Oh, that's States. for sure. That's for sure. But, it's and, shocking and, to me. And to the extent I thought it, it did. Well, and when it didn't, it sometimes got picked up by a religious organization and some form of that was manifested. Well, then that should be available. Well, it is. Yeah. That's what he's telling us. Yeah. That's what that is. That's a, so, so what... You know, you know what happens every time I talk to somebody like Greg. I want to go start an outpatient program and have sober living and live in Kentucky and let's let's or West Virginia and let's do and, this. Well, let me let me back up again and ask Greg again because I I don't see I don't see a clear path forward from what you're telling me. Do you have one? I don't. Yeah. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, it's it's like um, you know the metaphor of of uh, forgetting why you're there. Uh, when you're in the swamp to drain the swamp because there's so many alligators, uh, you know that's that's the sort of. But how do you get rid of a, a, a swamp infested alligator infested swamp? One alligator at a time, and I believe that. Where I was a part of a movement where most musicians in the 1970s and 80s were high. It was legendary. The death rate amongst musicians was higher than just about any other occupation in America. Yeah. And a movement started with just a few musicians in the ni- late 1970s where they got sober. And they started helping other musicians get sober. Till now, I'm proud to say the music community is probably the most experienced and the most widespread sobriety yeah. Of, yeah. of a lot of... Of Cer- any entertainment. Certainly in terms of a grassroots. Cer- right. Of, and it started just one musician at a time. And what what needs to happen is one young 20-year-old person who I – how I got involved with Huntington, West Virginia, was a 20-year-old guy that got sober and is living out here and told me all about it. It's one at a time, and then all but, of a sudden maybe, you have 10, and all of a sudden you have 30, and all of a sudden you have 50 parents who are sober, who are helping other parents get sober, and and help, helping them parent their kids, and having a community that I see it. I know what has to happen, but it has to have a spark that makes it happen. Somebody has to do it. I think one of the biggest issues that we face that's happening within the context of, of, of churches. Right. But there's a balkanization that is part of the spiritual issue. Nobody wants to work with anybody else. Uh, and if we ever make that breakthrough where people come together and start working together Why is across that? the lines what of their that? little because communities. Because we're, divi- we we're divided now. Going. You can't solve problems together. Wait the- a minute. Greg, why, why? That doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't. 
I, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can answer that. We're different than them. They're uh, Baptists. We're Pentecostal. Oh my God. Uh, we don't want to deal with our problems. Same thing. Our churches God. are based on family clusters. I don't know that I have an answer to that, but I do know it's true. I know that we had somebody who wanted to come in and open a community center uh, in war with a Christian vision and mission. Uh, and first of all, he was an outsider because he was from 50 miles away. Uh, and, and, and secondly, he was, uh, um, you know, you, you, you laugh, but I'm from 35 miles away and I'll probably always be an outsider as well. Right. Um, but you know my what wife does was accepted, but it took 30 years for that to happen. What does, and it's sickening and it makes my stomach crawl, but what does trump that is fame. All right, so what do we it's do? It's weird. Like, if, like, I don't know. There's something about Joe Manchin is, is, is someone who I would look at in that region that people would listen to that had opposing views. Or his wife, is his wife named Gail? Is that Gail, what yes. Yeah. They listen to her, don't they? Uh, A little yes bit? Yes and no. It, com- it, comes in, it comes in waves, and at the, at the moment... Um, uh, Joe Manchin just fought a, a very bitter Senate battle and won. Uh, there's speculation that he may run for governor again against Jim Justice. Uh, and, um, you know, there's there's about half the population that likes him and about half the population that hates him. I just I keep thinking. Lead, I admire leadership. him because he's in a red. He's 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 fighting the good fight in a state that is not that open to his his political uh, affiliation, but it's it's again, it's leadership is what we, what we're talking about here. We need You're right, yeah, we need real serious leadership through all this. Didn't we at one time have like a Peace Corps sort of group? We still was, have AmeriCorps, but there was uh, but there was teachers. Remember that we mm. in the eighties, maybe or nineties, we had this sort of teacher core thing. The kids were being. It was almost like a peace corps. Would there be anything utility in something like that? You know, getting healthy, well, motivated well, young people out there's, there. There's the AmeriCorps volunteers that come in, and 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 they're paraprofessionals at this point. They're people who are working and serving in hopes of uh, getting help with college down the road. Mm. Um, there are some ideas that people promote and teach for America is one of the biggest ones. Uh, and uh, as an educator, as a union member, I think of that as drive-by teaching. Right, right. Uh, they put somebody who's not qualified in the classroom, and he takes up space for three years, does some damage, builds some relationship, and then tears up life when he moves away okay. because he breaks off all those relationships. Right. Okay. It's got to be somebody uh, there. Not a good idea. It's got to be I, – I just – you know, that – there's another thing that – this is not only just happening in the United States – the thing that we talked about before the podcast in rural Italy in central Italy, it's like nobody lives there anymore. There's mass poverty, right? So they're in, they're trying to incite young people. They're giving a home for one Euro. If right. You'll move but, there and fix up the home and be but, a part but of the, the community. families that are there are intact and healthy. That's the difference. We, for some reason in our country, the families have, have you ever been to this part of West Virginia where he's talking about? It's yeah. some of the most beautiful yeah. country in the world, yes. you know, that uh, I just remember because I was a musician, I traveled a lot. And we were going through there one time. We had a day off and we went in the 
height of the Appalachians they, and rented horses. And here's how you rented horses. It said by the side of the road, horses for rent. <laughs> we pull in. We get the horses. They just give them to us. Yeah. They don't, they're not guiding us anywhere. And, and me and Anthony Flea and a couple like, of the like, guys rode all through like these a car mountains. For, like a car for rent. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a horse. It's and a, it was the greatest thing. And then we kind of didn't know where we were trying to get back to. Yeah. Right? Because it was just the most beautiful. And the, and the fog and the trees and the just beautiful country. I don't know why tourism isn't bigger in West Virginia. Well, tourism is a major component of the economy, and uh, we've got the Hatfield-McCoy ATV trail down here that is under development and is supposed to bring in, uh, it it brings in some income for us now, and we hope hope that'll get bigger. Um, Tourism is probably one of the most important aspects of the economy in West Virginia. Right. it's so there. beautiful. I it's went there so with, beautiful. with my grandma and, and her archery people when she was 85, and she used to shoot deer with a go- bow and arrow out in West Virginia. <laughs> oh and then God. she, and then after they caught the deer, she would they would chop it up and she would cook it for dinner uh-huh. in West Virginia. They yeah. go to West. I mean, it's, there's a lot of deer. I hate to tell all the animal lovers, but you know, she was. She She's, lived till she was 92 and shot deer with a bow and arrow until she was. She didn't use a gun at least. Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I live in a pl- I live in a place now where I have wild turkeys that come down and scratch in my yard looking for things to eat, and we spread a little corn out for them to encourage them. I've got deer that'll that'll stampede me at night if I go out at the wrong time and startle them. Uh, I, I've I've lived well, in in Singapore. I've lived in the Pacific. I've lived in Germany. Uh, I've lived in northern Thailand. I've visited Malaysia and Indonesia. I chose to live here, That's and beautiful. part of the reason is it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. Well, I I gotta I say, I'm, like I'm feeling a little overwhelmed stuff. and un, un you know unsettled. I I, I was but hoping these that, are the complicated problems I of our time, it. and I and it. I like to dive into them, and I love meeting people like Greg and fighting fighting the good fight. Part of every me, day. Let me go back to a possible solution. You know, four or five years ago, we had a vision for the concept of community schools, which was public private partnerships and making the school itself. Uh, a one-stop shop for the things that the communities needed to support yeah, families. We like that. We like yeah. that. All right. And, um, you know, the, the money for that kind of uh, uh, dried up a little bit, and, and, and we're stalled at this point on that, but we still have that vision. Uh, Governor Justice's wife, Kathy Justice, has uh, uh, started advocating an agency called Communities in Schools, which, which has a similar vision. I'm waiting to see where that goes. All right, that's but, good. I like all that. And, and, you know, that, and it feels that like to you, me is the solution and, and or part of the solution. And if you could attract business in somehow, create jobs, create purpose, create an economy you know, that's more thriving, perhaps would that maybe also add to it? That, that that would, and and uh, I'm going to talk like the union activist I am for a second here and say that part of our problem economically is that people feel this patriotism toward the coal industry itself. Uh. And when you talk about diversifying the economy, uh, you know, they, they think that you're talking bad about the community or right. violating some principle or whatever. The coal industry in the last hundred years worked very hard to keep this a one string banjo in terms of economics. Right. They didn't want to compete for a workforce. All right. Well, there, and as they therein, go downhill now. There's nothing, there's nothing else. Yeah. Therein lies an opportunity. It seems to me. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I just, 
I've met when I, when I went to Huntington, I was blown away. So, so something good's got to come of all this suffering. Something good usually comes well, from suffering. Interesting, right? Interesting. I hope you're right. Right. Well, I'm Greg, gonna, Greg, I'm going to go down there. Greg, I'm going to let you I'm go. I'm going to come visit you, Greg. <laughs> and then Bob and, I, Bob and I are going to sit Bob's here. Bob's going to come find you. Well, we're going to sit here and talk philosophically for a second. I got I got I got to grill on Bob about a couple yeah, of Drew's, things. Yeah, Drew's getting depressed, Greg. I, I'm getting depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank you so much, uh, uh, Greg. Thank we you. really appreciate it. If we can, God bless you, know, you things man. Things we can help you in some way, or if you have an idea or something, we can do something. We, we're feeling sort of helpless, so uh, keep doing God's work. Thank right. you. Thank right, you. Right. So you got a bunch of questions yeah, on your phone. I That's do. why. So, uh, all right. Think about it. We have celebrity rehab shows and many others just the same. This is a guy from Canada. People watch these shows, and it's so unrealistic. First of all, <laughs> what we did on celebrity rehab, it's put together in a way you only see part of it. But we just did treatment. That we did treatment. Would you agree? That's, That's what goes on it's, in every. It's rehab not unrealistic. Trust me, it's not unrealistic. The only <laughs> thing that I would say is probably not what that person's experiencing is that we had the luxury of treating them over a long period of time. Well, there's and that. usually people only detox and then they're an outpatient. Right. There's that, and you didn't. You don't see a lot of the treatment because treatment's boring and it's not television. So that part is a little unrealistic. Yeah. But all right, in Canada, rehab can't be afforded unless you're a celebrity. The rest of us fight on our own. Okay, mm. so this is what I want to get at. Were you with me when I worked for the Canadian government? No. Oh, so that. we because you don't have enough facilities down there, the the people uh, come to Malibu. They're hang from on, Canada. the utopia that is the Canadian healthcare system. I'm sorry, has almost no addiction services. So I they, know. for a while they were contracting down here. Right. We would we would we were filled with Canadians for about a year. What and year are you talking this? Because there's still was, a lot of Canadians coming down here. This was probably ninety two. But they had but, to get cash. No, no, no. We right? were no, no. We worked for the Canadian government. They contracted with us oh. at Los Encinas. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was ninety four, ninety five, something like that. And at the end of the year, the Canadian government had paid no bills, mm. and they the next year put through legislation said sorry, ten cents on the dollar on every charge. Oh. Sorry. Oh, uh, so that was the end of the contract. That's what the, Medicaid the, does. <laughs> uh, a little bit, a little bit. This was this was more, more egregious than Medicaid. Um, so the genius of the Canadian healthcare system is the problem, right? right? They're not providing resources for the treatment. Well, we don't either, uh, really. I mean, uh, way more than that. Way more. Uh, and you're right. We don't enough here. You're right on that, and we certainly don't. Twenty eight percent of billable. It's right. Not, it, it's not considered a medical illness. Well, it is considered a medical. It is a medical illness. It's just that there's nobody to advocate for addicts and drug addicts. That's the problem. I want to restructure the whole thing, but that that could lead us lead us down a rabbit's hole. <laughs> what, the whole treatment? Yes. The okay, whole hold thing. on, hold on. Let me finish this up. That's a bigger it's a bigger <laughs> rabbit hole. So so but but there are free services. There twelve step is alive and well in Canada. Yeah, in Vancouver so for please, sure. Please you go to Al Anon, please your I've been to there. I've been to twelve step meetings in Vancouver, Toronto, it's Montreal. Great. Right. Montreal English speaking meeting in right. in St. Catherine Street in That's Montreal. Right. The right. uh uh Thunder Bay. Right, so please take so advantage of all that. So there's 12-step meetings up there. Yes. There's also that hippie guru guy. He's 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 great. Yes. What's uh, his name? Gabba Mata. Mate. Yeah. Gabor he's, Mate. He's great. Yep, he's, he's good. You but guys that, know but, everybody. But uh, you may not be able to get access. I don't know what the deal is with the resources. He's got treatment him. centers all on the West I Coast. Good. By all means, use it. And by the way, 
Also, the greatest harm reduction programs are exactly. in Canada. That's exactly what I was going to say. The most rational harm reduction programs are in Canada. If a patient wants to use heroin as a harm reduction, they Come are given to get heroin. We've got a nurse and, and, here. Let's make sure you don't die. And in the meantime, we motivate you to go access real treatment. So, so I, They I, also are very present. I went to the one in Vancouver. Yeah. They're so kind and present. Yeah. And you get this sense of like, it's not judgmental right. but it's like we're here to help you the way yeah. you're living is yeah. ridiculous yeah. Yeah. they don't even say the way you're living yeah. is ridiculous right they just they go, carry they, that well, no them. they just go come on, come on, come on. <laughs> which, well, hang on a second so so does, does susan know they let you take heroin and needles into an uh, um an, what's called a what injection site right and there's a nurse there that watches you to make sure hey, you don't on. die i want to take homeless, i want to take i wanted to have a caravan from of homeless from los angeles to vancouver they need <laughs> Asylum, and they need the care that they give up yeah. there, right, because, right, right. Because it's they cold. are they're being abused here, and they need asylum. It's I'm yeah. not kidding, Bob. I'm not kidding. Somebody but, asked what they what you think of the safe needle exchange at Vancouver. Yeah, yeah that's it's what amazing. That's, that's what we're talking about. about. It's yeah. amazing. So, so the, to conclude, what we're saying is the Canadian system. We admire some of the stuff they're doing like crazy. But it, the system is like flawed in terms of how they're, and there's not enough emphasis on twelve step. That that would be my my overall arching mm-hmm. thing. That, that they do amazing stuff, they drop the ball. But as Susan said, so do we. You're right. Yeah. yeah so it sucks okay. Here. So, but how do you want to revamp things? What are you What are you looking for here? Okay. So I deal with the insurance battles yeah. constantly. Yeah. I want to go to the insurance industry and say, Hey, listen, let's not do this dance anymore. It is a medical condition, like Susan said. Like, give us the money that it takes to really stabilize somebody only. Stop. None of the Stop. bullshit outpatient. Stop. None of the $900. It's yep. yep. not like di- there's that many of us. So, Bob, so I did that in 1992. In 1992, I went to the insurance carrier and I said, and this was the beginning of all this, and I said, come on. You're, you're demoralizing my staff. The patients aren't getting – you're restricting what we can do with them. I said, you name your price, and I will use my – I, I will, will make it I work. I will make it work. You right. name your price. What did they say? I was talking to a doctor insurance administrator, and he said, no, nah, I just want a three-day detox. And I said, Are, do, you, do you expect them to, to – hang on. You've got to hear this. But this is before the Parity Act. Now you can play chess with them, and they can't really get out of it as easily as back okay, then. Okay, well, here's what he said. Because the world needs to hear this. This was a physician, actually, a guy I knew who was a good physician when I knew him when he was practicing. Can say they're going to die and be off my insurance. Correct. I know. He said they're going to die and no longer be my concern. They and won't. So, they're, it's not as hard as just die. Some of them nowadays they're dying and getting off the insurance. Lose the job, but, but they lose the but, job. But they won't said, have the said, insurance. He said die. He said, no. He said they will do it three times. Then they're no longer my concern. Yeah, right. Right. And so uh, that is the insurance uh, position. Yes, it is beyond awful. When you're a parent, that's just the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. It's well, ridiculous. parents need to shop better for rehab, too. And I try to educate parents all yeah, the time. There are say. great, great rehabs that cost less than $7,500 for 30 days. Correct. The that, kids, that's the part that The kids won't go to them. I was talking to somebody. The kids won't go to them. Yeah, because they're not... The only yeah. time I can get a 20-something to go to CryHelp, I always ask, because CryHelp's my favorite yeah. rehab in that category. So uh, That's I always ask the parent, do they know anything about rehab, right? Because yeah. if they do, they're going to know they don't want to go to CryHelp. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a guy, the guy in, in Marine Del Rey, I said, I want you to go to CryHelp. It's the best detox, and then we'll figure it out after that. And he said, CryHelp? This is a guy from the East Coast. Yeah. He goes, 
cry help. No, no, I know what that is. And I said, how the fuck do you know what that is? And he read it in Chuck Negron's book. Uh-oh. <laughs> it got him sober, so, though. So what is it that, I, I've heard the same thing, but what does that mean? It's just they're really hard. They don't bullshit they, around a cry they, help. They, they an attitude is not ready to surrender. Okay. We'll find ways to keep it going, even though they don't realize that's what they're doing. And uh, the, the family groups, I've had some reports from the family groups that cry help. They are still as br- as awesome as ever. <laughs> just, he just, he just <laughs> said brutal, and then he pulled back brutal and said awesome. But it's, because it's they're the, the people don't understand that's the same thing but in my it, mind. It's free, right? At cry no, help? no, 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 no. It's just, it's just well priced. Yeah. Well, there's Medi-Cal contract or whatever. But, yeah. but the point, so his point is, there are people out there in Florida, whatnot. They charge thirty, forty, fifty, seventy thousand dollars. Right, we used to do it for eight thousand dollars. Well, you yeah. can go to Wisconsin for four thousand dollars. Remember the right. don't die guys. Yeah. Right. Oh, by yeah. the way, they want to know what size T-shirt you wear. They've been texting me. Oh yeah, morning. they want to get you a don't die T-shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Probably extra large. Large or extra no, large? Well, large. Yeah. I'm smaller now. Yeah, large. Oh, yeah. So the don't die. Uh, Wisconsin guys bought me this hat. It's oh, great. And I, and I, I, I have, it. I got it fitted when I was there. I'm wearing it oh for my them. my God, you didn't this tell This is my voodoo oh, hat. But the problem was, it came so and then so it good. had shrunk a little bit, so I had to bring it to my guy to stretch that hat okay. out again. <laughs> then, as soon as I got the hat back, it was raining. I didn't want to wear a brand new hat in the rain. Oh. So now the rain is over. Nice. Can, can, you wear them? can you wear them in the rain? Yeah, I wear that old one in yeah, the rain. Okay. I like your, but, uh, <laughs> Not a brand new one with flowers. Nate and I were talking about we got to get you a mic and a headset that'll fit underneath your head. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, I got it down. Yeah, he's got, he's fine. But um, I know, but it looks so uncomfortable. No, but he, we he got would tell a, you if he was uncomfortable. How about the Greg guy? What an awesome guy! That's a hero. Yeah, uh, although that's I, a hero. Yeah, yeah. Michelle Poe for it, finding him. Yeah, it is. And, and now, do I, we have questions we're supposed to ask him? No, I took care of it. Okay, all right, good. Um, but uh, all right, so let's get going. I do want to talk a little bit about. Um, People you, being judgmental. You, and and I want to talk all positive about everyday heroes, I call them. Greg right. is an everyday hero. Yes. Well, we need more. We of need them. more everyday heroes and less CNN heroes. We're going to wrap it up. We'll see you next time. If you or someone you know is dealing with addiction, someone you love, finding treatment is difficult. It's very frustrating. It is a minefield out there. And the truth is every patient's needs are different and evolving. People behind True Recovery in Orange County, California, realize that effective care is not one-size-fits-all. That's why they have developed a comprehensive range of treatments that can address all facets of this disease. True Recovery's master-level clinicians maintain small caseloads. They personally manage your case, allowing them to personalize the care. They offer individualized treatment plans from residential to outpatient and always with an eye on a holistic approach and a focus on accountability. And as patients become ready, this is a key part of what True Recovery offers. They offer assistance with life and coping skills, school and vocational coordination, as well as community reintegration support and aftercare. I've spoken with the medical director at True Recovery, and I was impressed with the range of therapeutic modalities and psychiatric services. Their experienced team is well-equipped to manage patients at all levels of care. To request information how True Recovery can provide you the personalized care you need, go to drdrew.com slash true. Again, that is drdrew.com slash T-R-U-E. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC 790 Midday Live Talk Radio, Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Sing What I Do By Myself, Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob. 
Swole Patrol with Mike Catho at his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Dairy W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at drdrew.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.